0: Welcome to Right Rising, a podcast from the Center for the Analysis of the Radical Right. I'm today's host, louis Dean Valencia, head of the History Research Unit for CAR and assistant professor of digital history at Texas State University. Today, Barbara Molas explains what she defines as white multiculturalism. Taking us back to the 1930s in Montreal, she explains how a white supremacist Ukrainian-Canadian proposed the establishment of a white Christian Canada composed only by peoples of European descent. His racist discourse permeated the local press and radio, which legitimized and incorporated it into national debates on the path to the institutionalization of multiculturalism in Canada. Molas is a PhD candidate in history at York University and head of doctoral fellows at the Center for the Analysis of the Radical Right. She has published on the history of transnational far-right thought and on far-right responses to COVID-19. She's currently working on far-right understandings of multiculturalism in Canada.
1: In this episode of Right Rising, I will explain what I have defined as white multiculturalism. Building upon my doctoral dissertation, I will explore the origins and impact of our right understandings of diversity and ethnic cooperation in Canada. In particular, I will introduce the thought of Ukrainian-Canadian Walter Bossy, who immigrated to Canada in the 20s and promoted the establishment of a white and Christian Canada until the 60s. A fervent anti-communist and a devout Catholic, Walter Bossy was born in the Ukraine in the late 19th century and moved to Canada in 1924. In the early 30s, he moved to Montreal, one of the most multicultural cities in North America at the time. There, he realized that what he called the New Canadians were constantly being discriminated against as they were not considered to be part of the Canadian nation. That nation was traditionally understood as being only composed by the two founding nations, that is, by those of British or French descent. In 1934, Bosse published a pamphlet that demanded the social political reorganization of Canada in a way that acknowledged and incorporated the new Canadians into the national fact. The new Canadians were, he said, more than their iPhones. They deserved to be considered and treated like simply Canadians. But this pamphlet did more than propose the recognition of new Canadians. It also defined who these new Canadians were and who they weren't. Specifically, it argued that the new Canadians were only those of European descent who shared Christian values. Canadians of African, Asian, and Jewish descent, he said, were too particular to be considered for this new nation building project. The real Canada, as he called it, was composed by the two founding nations and by the new Canadians only. In other words, it was formed by white Christians. Bossy further promoted the idea that Canada must be ultimately one nation and that only the gradual amalgamation or mixing of different ethnicities would bring the unity and greatness that Canada so badly needed. So at first, it appeared as if Bossy was using multiculturalism precisely for the same reasons that radical right groups would reject it, he used it in order to eventually replace, rather than reinforce, monoculturalism and to encourage ethnic or national self transcendence to reach greater unity. From this perspective, Boss's multiculturalism echoes liberal notions of civic nationalism, which focus on universalism and cultural harmony, stressing the unity of all social and ethnic groups born on national territory. The idea of ethnic mixing in particular is a very uncommon one among right-wing nationalist movements. More often than not, right-wing nationalism is depending upon a very stable idea of what community is or should be, and the idea of a shared origin is usually at the very core of such ideology. This is why nationalist movements might encourage assimilation or integration, but not usually amalgamation, which might be seen as the beginning of the end of a certain ethnic community and its unique character. Examples of nationalist radical right movements that celebrate diversity or multiculturalism of the right focus simply on the idea of a hundred flags or endopluralism, which supports a geographically limited diversity that is never appealing to ethnic intermixing. Boss's proposal for the integration of the New Canadians was generally well received in the 30s and up to the 50s especially by Catholic communities in Montreal who saw in Bossi's endeavor a practical realization of ecumenism and Christian universalism, or the Catholic belief that different denominations and cultures should work together for the progress of civilization and world peace. But Bossi's proposal was not as inclusive as it might have seemed. We know from Bossi's private notes and correspondence that his aim was always to only work for the advancement of Canadians of European descent if he ever mentioned other minorities, was only to try and reach a broader audience, attempts which didn't get him too far. But difficulties didn't arise due to Bossy's ethnically biased approaches to multiculturalism. They arose on the one hand from the fact that the hierarchy of the Catholic Church in Canada was heavily dominated by French Canadians, one of the two founding nations and one who wasn't ready to share the special status that put it on equal foot with English Canada. On the other hand, Boss's new Canadians were vaguely defined. For example, what about Canadians of mixed ethnicity or Canadians of non-European descent who were Christians? This made it difficult to both select and mobilize the new Canadians, especially because Canadian ethnic minorities were already strongly organized by their community institutions who were already working for their advancement in Canada. In addition, it was not a secret that Bossi was friends with Nazi sympathizers in Montreal, like so-called Canadian Fuhrer, Adrian Arcan, which raised further suspicion. And even though Bossi was able to mobilize up to 15,000 new Canadians in several demonstrations throughout the interwar period and in the early postwar period, his project remained mostly marginal. But why did Bossi wish to establish white multiculturalism in the first place? Why did he undermine his own Ukrainian ethnicity for a greater purpose? This can be further eliminated by looking at the contemporary political landscape and the rise of right-wing populism. Dutch politician, Heer Wilders, has been leader of the Party for Freedom since he founded it in 2006. His party advocates Dutch nationalism against cultural relativism, demanding the cultural dominance of the Judeo-Christian tradition and patriotism against religious minorities, such as the Muslims. However, it is interesting to learn that Wilders is Indisch-Dutch, or in other words, of Indonesian and Dutch mixed descent. Given the suffering that Indonesians went through at the hands of the Dutch colonizers, how do we explain that Wilders stands for a type of right-wing nationalism that stresses Dutch cultural purity, national unity, and patriotism? In the answer lies what illuminates Bos's own endeavors. According to Dutch cultural anthropologist Lizzie van Leeuwen, Builder's behavior is based on feelings of displacement. People like him realized that they were welcome neither in the Netherlands nor in Indonesia. They were in between citizens that struggled to fit in different societies defined by common descent and shared ethnic based culture. To confront this sense of identity loss and the feeling that he was and always would be a second rate citizen, Builder's hit his Indish descent for example, denying his ancestry and dyeing his hair blonde, and led a new nationalist movement that redefined Dutch patriotism and created a new cultural enemy, the Muslim. Dutch scholar Van Duven argues that Wilder's nationalism is an expression of classic loss of identity and the politics of displacedness, in other words, of a lacking sense of belonging. Based on Beluven's approach to ethnic minorities leading radical right and nationalist movements, Boss's multiculturalism may be interpreted as a result of identity loss. Having lost Ukraine to communism, having seen his children marrying into other ethnic groups and having French and English Canadians say that new Canadians were no more Canadians than foreigners must have caused a huge sense of identity loss, which helped Bossy to conclude that his new identity resided precisely in that loss. It was in multiculturalism, in the abandonment of clustered ethnic purity, that a new and more complex identity could be forged, and Bossi's sense of identity regained. So why is this relevant for the study of multiculturalism and the radical right? Through his discourse, Bossi was able to manipulate the meaning of the term New Canadians, which previously included the whole variety of newcomers, and was successful in permeating the local media in Montreal with it. The press and even the radio used the term based on his discourse and unintentionally disseminated and legitimized the restrictive and racist meanings that Bossy had attached to it. As a consequence, debates in the public sphere on Canada's multiculturalism became transmitters of what Aurélien Mondon and Aaron Winter have described as liberal racism, which are all those seemingly liberal projects which perpetuate 19th century understandings of difference. The terms that give meaning to our ideas of nationhood, community, and belonging have been and are key elements in the formation of our modern states, and historians must make sure that our progressive understanding of these builds upon liberal ideas on difference and ethnic cooperation. If we don't question the conceptual foundations and changing meanings of our liberal tenets, we will run the risk of contributing to the institutionalization of racism, and that is exactly what Bossy wanted. I hope you enjoyed this episode and thanks for listening.